Welcome to the Joy Joya podcast, where jewelry is joy and everyone is encouraged to add more polish and sparkle to the world with topics ranging from marketing tips to business development, best practices and beyond. This is the go-to podcast for ambitious jewelry industry dreamers like you. Hi, I'm your host, Larissa Worstiak. Through this podcast, I aim to empower and inspire jewelry entrepreneurs and professionals so they can thrive while adding more beauty to the world. I'm passionate about digital marketing for jewelry brands, and I'm excited to share my passion with you. As we all know, jewelry is joy, so I'll gladly seize any opportunity to talk about it. This is episode 207, and today I'll be sharing an interview with a customer experience expert, speaker, and best-selling author who's been recognized by USA Today, ABC, NBC, MarketWatch, Fox, and more. My guest's philosophy is that, quote, Good is no longer good enough for businesses to succeed, end quote, and that you can't just compete on price alone. Customer service is the marketing of the future. I'll share more about my guest in just a little bit, but here's a preview of what we'll be discussing. Why should every single customer experience be critical for a business owner? How the customer experience also positively impacts team morale and helps a business owner attract the best employees and where to start if you want to begin improving your customer experience and much more on top of that. But before we get to the solid gold of this episode, I'd like to take a moment to remind you that this podcast has both an audio and video component, so you can either listen on your favorite podcast platform or watch on YouTube by searching Joy Joya. I love creating this content as my act of service to you, my awesome listeners and viewers, and you can support the podcast for free by taking the time not only to subscribe, but also to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other jewelry dreamers find it too. I wanna read my favorite review of the week. So this was actually not a podcast review, but it was feedback that I got from a listener in an Instagram DM. And this person said, thank you for the podcast, Larissa. I always learn so, so much and feel supported and encouraged. Thank you, I really appreciate that. And if you leave a review or even DM me on Instagram, I might read it on a future episode. So please let me know what you think about this episode or about any other major takeaways you've had recently. In this segment of the podcast, I give out my Sparkle Award for the week. So during this segment, I highlight a jewelry brand that's impressing me with their marketing. The Sparkle Award is also interactive, so you can visit sparkleaward.com to nominate a jewelry brand that's inspiring you these days, and I might feature your submission on a future podcast episode. This week's Sparkle Award goes to the winner of the 2022 Halstead Grant, as well as the finalists and semi-finalist. So congrats to Octave Jewelry, which received a $7,500 cash grant, $1,000 in jewelry supply, supplies, a trip to Prescott, Arizona, features in Halstead print publications, a detailed feedback report, 
and a trophy. Congrats to this brand. This is a really amazing accomplishment. And I've really been loving following the lead up to this announcement. I took a peek at Octave Jewelry's website, and I was really impressed by the intentional way that the brand describes itself. I got the sense that each piece is made carefully and lovingly by the designer. And when it comes to the products, I also really enjoy seeing all the interesting combinations of materials that are being used. Also, congrats to the finalists, Caitlin Alberton Jewelry, Stellar Metal Jewelry, Phantasm Jewelry, and who all the semi-finalists, I'm gonna try to read through them quickly, Caitlin Elise Jewelry, Jennifer Metesh Studios, Earthbound Silver, Ninth Generation, Benjamin Ripley Jewelry, and May and Lang Jewels. I wonder if any of those are listeners of the podcast. Hello out there. If you um, have been acknowledged by this award and congratulations. So what a great opportunity as well as excellent exposure for creative jewelry entrepreneurs. As I mentioned, you can visit sparkleaward.com to nominate a jewelry brand that's inspiring you these days, and I might feature your submission on a future podcast episode. Let's discuss some recent news related to jewelry or marketing. Each week, I share my thoughts about three relevant articles, and you can get the links by checking out the show notes. So the first article comes from mytotalretail.com, and it's called New email and SMS marketing reports showcase showcases their value to brands. So there's an email marketing platform out there called OmniSend. You may even be a user of it. They've recently released a new report all about email and SMS, and it analyzes more than 8 billion e-commerce. Hold on, 8 billion? That is so much. 8 billion e-commerce marketing emails and 43 million SMS messages just from the first half of 2022. So we have a decent sample size there. And they pulled out some really great insights and tips for brands like yours that hopefully utilize email marketing and maybe even SMS marketing. So it's no surprise to me, but I just wanted to confirm for you that email is still super powerful and the data shows that. So for consumers who clicked on a scheduled email campaign, 6.7% of them went on to make a purchase. And here is the part that's even more powerful. When it comes to automated emails, like a welcome email, an abandoned cart email, a post-purchase email, the percent of consumers clicking who go on to make a purchase soars from 6.7% to 35%. Through the first half of 2022, automated emails generated 29.1% of all email marketing orders. Oh my goodness, that is crazy. I mean, I already knew that automated emails are extremely powerful, but to see that communicated in actual numbers based on this very large amount of email marketing sends is mind-blowing to me. The thing that's even more mind-blowing is automated emails only account for 1.75 of all email sends. So it's such a small percentage of emails being sent, but they are truly responsible for 
a large bulk of sales conversions resulting from email. So three automated messages generate 88% of email orders, and they are in order cart abandonment emails, welcome series, and browse abandonment messages. If you don't have a welcome email or a welcome series in place for your email marketing, and you're listening or, or watching right now, and you don't immediately go put one in place, then I just don't know what to tell you because these numbers do not lie. The study also shows that more brands are embracing SMS marketing, and that refers to text message marketing. So through the first half of 2022, brands sent 36% more SMS than during the same period in 2021. And just like with email marketing, those automated SMS messages, the welcome SMS, the cart abandonment, the browse abandonment, they perform better conversion-wise than promotional ones. My main takeaway from this, plain and simple, as I said before, you need to have email automations in place. Otherwise, you're missing out on huge opportunities to get your subscribers closer to purchase. And even if you don't have a full-blown SMS strategy in place, I would suggest to start focus on collecting mobile numbers with email addresses so that you can slowly begin implementing this added level of messaging with your customers. The second article comes from retaildive.com and it's called Marketers Ramp Up Promotions to Curb Expected Holiday Lows, survey says. So last week on the podcast, if you listened to that episode, I discussed what's up with marketing for the holiday season, including the trends in holiday marketing. And I recently saw this other take from Retail Dive. So marketers from all industries have been increasing their promotional activity this year. Nearly 32% of them are saying they need to spend more time on engaging with customers. They're nervous because of consistent inflation. They fear that consumers won't be spending on holiday gifts this year, so they're really compensating with those additional efforts in their marketing. Quote, marketers are pessimistic about the potential for profits during the holidays, with 53% reporting that they will see less profit than the 2021 season, end quote. What do they anticipate will be the most effective when it comes to their email tactics? Well, Sorry, I'm being a broken record, but email and SMS will garner the most sales. <laughs> Checks out with the first article I shared today. So some ways that marketers are tackling this anxiety that they're having about the holidays, they're encouraging customers to shop earlier, um, which I mentioned in that episode about holiday marketing trends, and I'll link that in the show notes too. They're also really emphasizing their holiday shipping deadlines to make sure that customers have a reason to order early and that they're not potentially missing out on the opportunity to get a gift because they are delayed in their shopping. They're also increasing their promotional activity, as I mentioned, especially with email and SMS. And finally, they are investing in paid search marketing, which 
may or may not be right for your brand, but that's what other people are doing out there in the world. My main takeaway is that I'm a broken record. (laughs) Just kidding. I cannot emphasize anymore the importance of email marketing and the role it plays in ensuring that customers see your messaging and promotions, not just during the holiday season, but throughout the year. And then the last article comes from Social Media Today, and it's called Pinterest Provides New Insights for Marketers. Does Pinterest play a role in your social media strategy? Do you want it to play a role in your social media marketing strategy? Then you should definitely know about this new update to the Pinterest Trends tool, which can help you and your marketing team gain insights into the latest trends on the platform. It can present you with opportunities and guidance around the types of content that you really should be creating. So first, Pinterest has added some new trend shortcuts to the main page, which will make it easier to find key information on the latest trends happening in the app. If you're an advertiser on Pinterest, then you'll be able to see things like trends your audience loves, trends by demographics, and seasonal trends. My main takeaway about this This sounds awesome. Not only could the trends insights help you be make better use of the platform and be a better advertiser, but it could also help you potentially find key insights about your target customer, which you could apply in all your marketing. And I love that. For more information about any of these articles, check out the links provided in the show notes. As I mentioned earlier, my guest today is a celebrated customer experience expert. Over the past three decades, Paul Rudder has managed and guided some of the largest and most luxurious cruise ships in the world, where living with his customers, clients, and coworkers is just a way of life. Speaking speaking frequently to leaders around the globe, Paul asks a singular question. Could you or your company survive if you had to live and work with your customers, clients, and coworkers? His time on the high seas has taught him that through approaching customer service with the intent to exceed his customers' expectations rather than just meeting them, creates higher levels of customer satisfaction, retention, loyalty, and repeat business. Perfect is the starting line and not the end goal. Paul's also the author of the bestseller, You Can't Make This Ship Up, a hilarious look at the lessons he's learned at sea and now applies to land-based businesses, just like yours. Without further delay, let's get to my interview with Paul. Thanks, Paul, so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited because of like your very interesting background and experience, and I think you're just a perfect guest to serve my audience. Well, thank you for the invitation, Larissa. I really appreciate it. So please tell our listeners and viewers, how have you been able to really hone in on your expertise in customer experience and customer service over the 40 plus years that you've spent in hospitality, travel, cruise industries? Well, you just said it right there, hospitality, travel, and cruise industries. And the cruise industry is very unique in the fact that we're one of the very few industries anywhere in the world where we actually live with our customers 
24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it's a very unique dynamic. We have to have policies, procedures, and really principles in place to deal with this. Because if there's a problem, and let's be honest, every business, no matter what the business is, experiences problems. It's how you handle those problems. It's how quickly you solve those problems. And if you make sure those problems don't happen in the future, then your customers will remain loyal to you. And that's really the end goal. And so by living with our customers, we understand how important it is to take care of things the first time and not let little small inconveniences become big things if, if customers feel they're ignored or they're not being paying attention to or if they're not being listened to. And so we know in our industry, if we don't get it right, they're going to be at the front desk in 20 minutes saying, hey, you told me you take care of this. So we know that they're just around the corner. Our customers are anywhere. They're in the restaurants that we visit. They might be in the lounge that we go. They're in the theater where I introduce the shows every night. So they know me as the cruise and entertainment director on board. I'm the liaison between the company and our customers. And so we have to make sure everything is right in that respect. And if you add to that dynamic, we also live with our coworkers 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So if you can imagine, you know, people you work with in an office at the end of the day, you all don't go to your homes across town. You might be a roommate of the person that you just worked with and, and, and they live with you because most of the crew members are two to a cabin, like a college dorm, really. But they have their own bathroom and small refrigerator TV. You know, it's not the biggest space in the world. We are in a cruise ship and space is very important. And so you add those two dynamics together, living with your customers and living with your coworkers. And so that's the first question I always ask a land-based business. Could you or your customers, could you or your company survive if you had to live with your customers, your clients, and your coworkers? And when I ask that question, lies, uh, eyes tend to light up and they go, oh, wow, I never thought of it that way. That's a, a very unique dynamic. Now, I'm sure some of your, your listeners have, uh, have taken a cruise. Can I ask, have you taken a cruise before? I have taken a cruise before, yes. Okay, so you understand what I'm talking about, about how crew members live on board. You see your waiter at, at breakfast and lunch and dinner. You see your stateroom attendant. Uh, throughout the entire day and throughout the entire cruise. And so you understand the importance of those relationships that you need to build. And so we have found out that it's the little things that people remember. We have one saying on board our ship, and it should be the saying that all of your listeners have in business. And that is that we want to create an exceptional experience that exceeds expectations before the cruise is over. That way, we know our guests will book their next cruise before this current cruise is over. And that's our goal. And that should be the goal of every land-based business to know that you've created such a wonderful experience that there is no way that they're going to somebody else if they're less expensive, if they're closer, if it's you, you have built such trust and a relationship with your customers that they're not going anywhere. And studies have shown that people will pay more if they know they're going to get an exceptional experience. And so that's what you need to do, create an exceptional experience that exceeds expectations. 
You made so many good points there. I just want to like unpack a lot of them. But before I, I get tend into to, that, I, I think I that, tend to talk uh, too much. Sorry. No, <laughs> not at all. There's so, so many gems of wisdom in there. Um, I think that you probably get asked this a lot, but I'm sure I'm curious and I'm sure the listeners and viewers are curious. What's like one of the craziest stories that you've had as a cruise director on the ship? And that's the more like voyeuristic part. But the more important part is like, what did you and your team actually do to address like a, a really extreme issue with a customer? So there's a number of examples I can give you, but let me take a very simple one. Sometimes we have guests who come on board our ship who are already very angry. It could be that they flew from LA to Miami to get on a cruise and the airline lost their luggage. We don't know where it is. They're now gonna take a seven day cruise with no luggage. They're not happy, but we've inherited that problem. We have to deal with it. The airline isn't going to deal with it. So what can we do to make that a win-win or the best possible situation under the circumstances? And so we just can't ignore it. We can't throw up our hands and say, sorry, nothing we can do. You know, there, your luggage isn't here. What do you want us to do? Well, so we've done things because we know this happens periodically. So we have toiletries and we have a spare clothes and we've gone out and gotten fresh underwear and socks and uh, there's ladies who have donated dresses that we keep in uh, if there's a formal night coming up or a dressy night we have tuxedos on board we work with the airline so that we're tracking their luggage for them because we're in the middle of the ocean and communications aren't what they are on land and so we might send them to one of our specialty restaurants just to take their mind off the fact that they don't have luggage. It could be that their luggage shows up at the first port of call and it's only been a couple of days without luggage and things are okay. Sometimes it's the whole cruise without luggage. And so they, sometimes there's medication in there that they haven't kept with them or their cameras or, or, or things they need or they want for the week, obviously. And so we need to let them know that we, are t we, that we take this seriously, that we're on top of it. We give them regular updates. We are communicating with them. I can't tell you and your, your listeners, your viewers, how important effective communication is so that they know, even if it's every hour you give them an update, they know that you're working on it and that we're doing our part to try and make this as good of a situation as possible. Now, I should tell you, we, we've had extremes on board. We've, we've had passengers come on board who have lost their luggage. They could care less. They, who cares? I, where's the bar? Let me have a good time. I'm here to have a great time. And there are people on the other end of the extreme. They come on with lost luggage and it's the worst thing in the world. The, this cruise is ruined. They're not going to have a good time. So we have to deal with all those sets of expectations sometimes. So I will say to your listeners and viewers that attitude is so important when you deal with these things. You need to assess from your customer what sort of attitude they have, which should reflect on your manner as well. But we've had things, you know, lost luggage where uh, it's a problem that we didn't um, 
we didn't cause in the first place, but we have to deal with it because we're at the end of the, end of the line for them. So that's one example of the things that we have to deal with. Yeah, I could see a similar situation happen, happening in the jewelry industry as well. I mean, there are a lot of consumers, just like with cruise ships, the kid going on a cruise, buying a piece of fine jewelry isn't like an everyday thing. Maybe it's once a year, maybe it's once every few years. So it's a really special experience, something you look forward to. And it's very likely in jewelry that maybe you had a bad experience in the past or like a mistrustful interaction with another jeweler and the person is coming to that new experience with all of this baggage so instead of the business being like judgmental of that or like coming to their own conclusions kind of like what you said treating every situation individually and listening and trying to really understand before like making judgments about that customer's experience Again, compassion and empathy is so important. And just sticking with your example, of course, uh, we sell jewelry on board our ships in the gift shop. And there's also in the Caribbean, of course, very well known for great jewelry buys there as well. And sometimes things go wrong. So uh, will the cruise line stand behind what they sell you on board? And will they also stand behind the jewelry stores that are in these islands that we know and the cruise line knows and the jewelry store knows, well, you're not coming back next week if there's a problem. It's not like you can just get in your car and come here next week. They have to have policies, again, procedures and principles in place to make sure that they keep this customer happy because it's the customer who's going to go on social media and say, oh, this place in St. Thomas or this ship took care of everything. They were great. Uh, no problems. Uh, and I wouldn't hesitate to buy for them from them in the future. But they'll also go on if there's a problem, as your, as your listeners and viewers know, that they will say all the bad things that happened if that problem is not rectified in a timely manner. Definitely. So I believe I saw, I think it was on your website, and I'm totally going to butcher it, something like your philosophy around customer experience is something like more than perfect or something along those lines. Can you refresh my memory, Paul? Your memory is excellent. Uh, there is you go. I, I have a, I have what's called a more than perfect model. And if we have time, I'll tell you a short story of where it all comes from. Because people always ask me about the crazy stories that happen on board, and 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 there are some crazy stories that have happened on board. But this what this happened uh, a long time ago. Uh, we were sailing out of Rome, out of Civitavecchia, uh, which is the port city of Rome. We were doing 10-day cruises to the Mediterranean. We had an overnight in Egypt. This was before the uprising, 2010, maybe 2011. And so when you go to Egypt, of course, you go to the pyramids. Well, we have tours from the ship where thousands of our guests go on board buses and go to uh, to the pyramids. And so it's sort of... It's a lot of people at one time going to the pyramids because there's thousands of people on our ship and then there might be another ship in. So one trip, there was a customer that came up to me, a guest on board, who said that she had booked a trip to the pyramids on, online with a private tour guide online. She's going by herself. Did I know this company? And the answer was no, I didn't. But I said, when you come back to the ship, let me know how it goes. I'm interested. I have family coming. Um, so I saw her a few days later. 
She raved about the guide. She raved about the trip. It was actually less expensive than what we were selling on board our ship. And it was very private. And there weren't thousands of people there at the same time. So I wrote to this tour guide. She had his card. And I said, I'm Paul. I'm the cruise director on board the ship. I'll, my family's coming in a few months. We'd like to book you on a private tour. Oh, yes, Mr. Paul, of course, we're going to do this. And they gave what I consider to be a perfect tour. We went to the pyramids when nobody was there. We went to restaurants. We had dinner on a rooftop restaurant overlooking the pyramids with a light show. He took us to stores that only he knew about. Uh, and it was just a perfect tour. Just so you know, the port city is Alexandria. And of course, Cairo is where the pyramids are. It's a three-hour bus ride. So it's a long day. It's three hours there all day in, in Egypt and Cairo at the pyramids and then three hours back. So it's people get back because it's an overnight there. People get back at three, four in the morning sometimes. So it was a perfect tour. We got we left at midnight. We came back at three in the morning. And about six months later, I had more family and friends that were sailing with me. So, of course, they wanted to go to the pyramids. And again, I contacted his name was Yasser, uh, the guide to set up the tour. I did not go this time because I had just gone. So I set it up with Yasser. I said, Yasser, whatever you do, just give him the same tour. It was perfect. He said, no, 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 Mr. Paul, this tour will be more than perfect, more than perfect. I went, yeah, okay, whatever. Just make sure they get the same thing I got because I've been telling them all about this wonderful tour. As it turned out, when they came back the next day, they were raving. They were crazy. They did the exact same things that we did. But at midnight, when they were about to come back to the ship, Yasser had a surprise for them. He said, I've arranged for a one-hour cruise down the Nile River on this boat that I've chartered. Are you interested in going down the Nile River at midnight for an hour? And of course, they said, yes, we want to go. We're here in Egypt. So they actually did something more than we did, and he kept his promise. It was more than perfect, because I thought we had the perfect tour. He went above and beyond. He did something a little bit extra that wasn't expected to make it more than perfect. And so that's where this whole customer service model uh, began, where you start with perfect as the end uh, start, sorry, you start with perfect as the starting line and then go from there. Being perfect isn't the finish line. It should be the starting line for how you treat your customers because you cannot compete on price alone anymore. The pandemic has told us somebody is uh, a lower price is always a click away. So you have to compete on service and experience because that's what people uh, remember. I always say in the cruise industry, we're not in the cruise industry. We're not in the travel industry. We're in the industry of creating memories because that's what people remember and that's what they will buy on next. They buy on emotion. So if it's a great experience, they remember that emotion and will buy from you again. Oh, wow. I, first of all, I love where, where you got the name for the model and that tour sounds so amazing. I want to go on this <laughs> more than perfect tour. Um, and also, I think you said you know, we're not in the cruise industry, we're in the industry of making memories. I think the jewelry industry is right there with the cruise industry. It's like less Absolutely. about the product sometimes and more about the emotion and the sentimentality behind the product, for sure. 
And people remember when they get that specific piece of jewelry, was it for an anniversary or a birthday? And they remember, oh, we went to this restaurant. Those are the memories that you're creating. And so it all plays a big part in, in wanting to do business again with that same producer. What are some of the positive results you've seen from land-based businesses who have started to put greater emphasis on customer experience and maybe even adopted this more-than-perfect model? Do you have any specific examples you can share? Well, one thing that is very, I, I think it's maybe a silly example, but for me, I've noticed that if I go into a store, we have Publix here, our grocery stores. I'm not sure what you have out there, but our big grocery stores, Publix. So if you go into Publix and say, oh, can you tell me where the mustard is? They're not going to say aisle nine. They're going to say, come on, let me show you. And they actually take you there themselves to show you where the mustard is. And the first time that ever happened to me, I, I went, oh, wow, that's great service. Okay. Now it seems to be happening more and more and more people are getting into this customer service model and they know how important service is. But it's the little things that people remember. For instance, um, we try to have our waiters remember people's names or our stateroom attendants. People like to hear the sound of their name. So if, they, if you have a regular customer, if the customer knows that you know their name, that they're establishing a relationship with you, that's extremely important. So as an example, if, if a guest goes into our dining room and orders iced tea for dinner, every night there will be a glass of iced tea waiting for them. They don't have to order it a second time or a third time or a fourth time. The waiter should remember that that guest likes iced tea and that they see that there's a glass of iced tea waiting for them. It's something so small, but that's what creates the memories that you remember the next time. That's a great point, and I really like what you said about the name. I recently was in a jewelry store getting some jewelry repaired, and it was my first time there. They didn't know me. I didn't know them, but I was writing out the ticket to, uh, for the repair so I can pick it up, and the man there looked at my name, and he said, okay, Larissa, we'll have your jewelry ready for you tomorrow, and I don't know. I really felt something like a trust. Like I'm like, okay, I'm in good hands. Like this will be fine. Cause I get nervous about like trying new businesses sometimes. And for some reason it really reassured me that I was going to be taken care of. There you go. And that's all it took was him saying your name. So you mentioned at the beginning, not just to have this customer experience model actually for your customers, but to think about it also in terms of your team members and internally. So what does that have to do with your employees perhaps? I'm very big on what I call empowering your employees, not having, you know, people on the front line having to come get your permission for everything. That employees want to be part of the solution. They don't want to be part of the problem. They want to know that they're being listened to because it's your frontline employees, the people who deal with your customers every day, who probably know more about your customers than you might be as an owner if you're in the back or if you're not there all the time. And so I'm really big about empowering your employees, listening to their ideas. I 
I think Gallup does a poll every year and like, don't quote me on this, but I don't know, 70% of employees don't look forward to going to work every day. You want to make your place of business someplace where your employees do look forward to going to work every day. They want to be part of the solution. So empower your employees. So to give you an example, many, many years ago on the cruise ship, if somebody had a problem, let's say with a shore excursion, they took a tour ashore and they didn't like it for whatever reason. Our front desk was, was uh, instructed to give them the business card of the people ashore. Oh, we're so sorry you didn't have a good tour. Please call this number when you get home and they'll help you. Well, first of all, the people are upset they had a bad tour. Now they're going to remain upset for the rest of the cruise because we didn't take care of their problem right away. We gave them a number to call and we put the onus on them to do the work. We don't want our customers upset for the rest of the, uh, for the, rest of the cruise. Then they're going to go home. They're going to call the number. The people in the office will listen to them. Then the people in the office will come back to us and say, okay, what happened? We need details. We then have to go through it all, time going back and forth. And in the end, what happens? Oh, the office refunds some of their money. We could have done that right there, right when they're standing in front of us. Maybe we give them 25% back or 50% back because maybe one part of the tour they didn't like, but they did everything else that we explained in the tour. So we would say, okay, um, a 50% return, and we send them chocolate-covered strawberries to their room that night, or a bottle of wine, or something that doesn't cost us very much money. Now they're over the moon. Now they go home and tell their, their friends, well, yes, we had a problem, but they took care of it right away. That saves us time and money, and again, it makes more for a loyal customer. And so I would encourage all of your listeners and viewers to empower your employees if up to a certain amount, let's say your frontline employees, you give them up to $100, anything under $100 that they can fix, fix it right away. Okay, if it's 100 to $500, yes, you need permission from a supervisor. Okay, get that permission, get back right away. Anything over $500, yes, you go to the vice president or whatever is next in line. And so you have that in place so that your employees don't feel, oh, sorry, you know, this costs $10, but I have to go to get, you know, permission from my supervisor. Empower your employees, make them feel part of the solution, have meetings, have masterminds, sit down, listen to them of what their best solutions are, have a best practices book so that other people can learn from other people's mistakes or their problems or their circumstances and just take it from there. Those are all really great ideas. I love them. <laughs> so great. if a jewelry business owner wants to kind of start auditing their customer experience and looking for ways or opportunities that they can improve it, where would you suggest that they begin with that process? So I love talking about feedback because feedback is very crucial in the cruise industry. And I don't know if you remember from your cruise, but at the end of every cruise, we hand out surveys to people. And this is maybe 10 or 15 years ago, we'd hand out paper surveys in their staterooms on the last day and they would fill out the survey. How was the food? How was the service? Were people friendly? And we would get feedback every week. Now uh, we email out the surveys, we're, we're with the times, everybody gets a, an email with a link to the survey and they have a week to fill it out. So feedback is very important to us. And when your customers give you feedback, you really need to look at it as a gift. 
because people usually don't take the time to tell you when something is wrong. They will usually just walk out the door and go to your competition if they're not happy about something. And so if they do take the time to give you feedback, then you really need to listen. Now, feedback can be one-off or whatever. Because we get feedback after every cruise, let's say Susie gets a, a rudeness comment. Oh, I went to bingo and Susie was rude to me. I will talk to Susie about it and see what happened. It could be just one customer, one guest misunderstood something and, and we forget about it. But if Susie gets rudeness comments every single week for a month, then I know that I have a, a situation that I need to take care of. That's where feedback is really important if you get the same type of feedback week after week after week. And so your, your, your listeners may be out, okay, how do I get feedback? Well, the easy answer is to ask them. Ask them how their experience was. Either you can do it in person. You can send them a follow-up email. There's many companies out there that offer these surveys, monkey, what is it, monkey survey or one of survey those? Monkey, or yeah. Survey monkey, medallia. I know many of these types of businesses that will send these emails to your customers. The best kind of feedback you can get is if you send a handwritten note. I'm a big believer in handwritten notes and the reason why I'm a believer in it is because nobody does it anymore. And it's so nice to get an actual letter in the mail from somebody there. You know that somebody took three, four, five minutes to say, thank you for coming into our store. Please let us know if there is anything we could do to make your experience more enjoyable. And you sign it and you send it. People will keep that. I had one, uh, uh, a friend of mine who is a musician, he dealt with a music company online. The owner would put a, a little small pack of jelly beans in whatever he bought from them, if it was guitar strings or whatever, he'd put a little, little pack of jelly beans in to say, oh, thank you for being, we really appreciate uh, you doing business with us. Just little thank yous like that. And so people will take the time to answer surveys. And, and as part of the more than perfect survey model that we talked about earlier, the very last goal is to have your customers as your raving brand ambassadors. You want your customers to do all your marketing for you, to do all your sales. It's free and people listen to their family and their friends and their neighbors. Uh, there's this website Nextdoor. Are you familiar with the Nextdoor yeah. website mm -hmm. where it's group communities of neighbors that, oh, I need an electrician. Oh, I just use Bob. He's great. Or I, I, I need a roofer. Or I need whatever. People trust uh, um, recommendations from their family, their friends, and their neighbors. And so the goal is to have your customers and your employees to be your raving brand ambassadors. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think to add to the survey tip as well, to also check if you have a Yelp profile, a Google business oh. profile, or other places where customers can leave public reviews to make sure you're regularly looking there and to reply to reviews that people leave, whether they're good or bad. Because I notice a lot of businesses kind of neglect those pages. And then if I personally, as a consumer, see a bad review that just is kind of sitting there and no one seemed to like respond to it, that's a huge red flag to me that that business doesn't really care. <laughs> I absolutely agree with you 100%. I do the same thing. If I see that they've, oh, we're sorry you didn't have a good experience, call me at this number or DM me personally at this whatever email address, then, then it, yes, it absolutely is good. It looks like they're trying to 
uh, again, create that relationship. It's all about creating relationships. Absolutely. So, Paul, I want to hear a little bit about your book. Can you tell our listeners and viewers if they were to check out your book, what would they find there? How could they benefit from reading it? Well, thank you so much for bringing it up. I actually have two books. The first oh. one that came out came out about four years ago. It's called Repeat Business Inc., The Business of Staying in Business. And it's a very easy 50 tips and strategies any business can do today to keep their customers coming back tomorrow. And it's, you know, each chapter is like two or three pages of, and it's 50 different tips about why customer service is so important, what your customers are looking for, what your employees are looking for, and what you as an owner or business uh, executive need to do. So that was about four years ago. And then the one that I just published, it's called You Can't Make This Ship Up. And it's crazy stories that happen on board and what land-based businesses can learn from them. Uh, available Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever fine books are sold. People have always said, you must have crazy stories on board. And the truth is, yes, we do. And, and every crew member always says, one of these days, I'm going to write a book. One of these days. Well, unfortunately, with the pandemic, we had two years off. No cruise ships were sailing. And so we had time to do it. And so that's what I did over the pandemic was to put these crazy stories together about weddings that go wrong. And um, I mean, there's one I can tell you all about our clothing optional cruise where I had a ship full of naked people on board. I mean, what you can learn, people can learn about. <laughs> Luckily, I was not naked. I got to keep my clothes on. But these are the types of people in cruises that we deal with charter cruises, music cruises, uh, sports cruises, uh, alternate lifestyle cruises, just crazy things that happen and what land-based businesses can learn from them. We have a section at the end of each chapter called Ship to Shore and what they can take away from what we dealt with on board. I love that. So what else should our listeners and viewers know about you and what you're doing? What else do you have on the horizon? Well, I've been... I've been in the cruise industry over, I'm sorry to say this, before you were born, over 40 years I've been in the cruise industry before the love boat was even on TV. I was working <laughs> on board my first ship uh, back in the 70s. Um, I, and and I'll, I'll give you one quick story. I, the only reason I got this job and why I was in the cruise industry is because I took my dog for a walk. I was in Connecticut. Winter was setting in. And I took my dog for a walk. I ran into the high school of the principal I went to, which was right across the street. Uh, the principal knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who, who was looking for somebody to work on a cruise ship. They had just put a few slot machines on board and needed somebody to be a cashier. And if I hadn't taken my dog for a walk on that particular day at that particular time, I wouldn't have run into the high school principal. I mean, it's just crazy things like that. That I mean, I'm a big believer in fate. So um, I'm t coming to the end of sort of my cruise ship tenure, but I'm a big cruise enthusiast. Uh, I, I have all sorts of things. I, I do some professional speaking. I, deal, I work with uh, land-based businesses on how they can improve the experience because as, as we talked about uh, this entire time, it's all about creating experiences and that's what we do on board. I love that. It sounds like you were truly called to the industry and to to speak on customer experience. And it seems like you're so passionate about the topic. So I love yeah. that you're sharing that gift with others. 
Thank you. I'm very grateful. I, I'm, I've been extremely lucky. So to get paid to travel all over the world. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Paul. I really appreciate your time and wisdom. And I know my listeners and viewers will love it as well. Thanks. If anybody wants to reach out, I'm at paulrudderspeaks.com. And uh, my email is paul at paulrudderspeaks.com. So I'd love to. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. So I, I hope they'll uh, check it out. What did you think about my interview with Paul? To learn more about him, visit paulrudderspeaks.com. You can also always email me Larissa, that's L-A-R-Y-S-S-A at joyjoya.com. If you loved this podcast, please share it with a friend who'd appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe as well as leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To purchase a signed copy of my book, Jewelry Marketing Joy, visit joyjoya.com book for more information. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information about working with Joy Joya, visit joyjoya.com, where you can sign up to download our free eBooks about various topics in jewelry marketing.